0: Luke chapter 9, glad that you decided to be with us on Halloween and have a good time with the kids. I need to apologize for something before we get started, I uh, didn't pray hard enough and uh, there is no snow by the end of October, so I apologize for that, for those of you who are disappointed, um, some of you are extremely thankful that it hasn't snowed yet, but uh, Praise the Lord, we have decent weather, wet weather, but nonetheless, we're still here, we're still serving the Lord, what a great opportunity. Luke chapter 9, while we're turning there, what would you think of me if I told you that I yelled at my kids? (laughs) Some of the old timers are like, finally. Some of you would immediately think that I'm a bad parent. Some of you would immediately think, oh my goodness, I can't believe he would yell at his kids. You would think that I am selfish. You would think that I don't care about my kids. You would think that I'm rude. You would think that I'm overbearing. All of these different things, right? Some of you may give me the benefit of the doubt and maybe ask why. Why would you yell at your kids? You, you all realize that parents do yell at your kids, right? I'm not the only one. <laughs> Okay, let's just, let's just have some fun here, all right? Raise your hand if you've ever yelled at your kids. Okay? Oh, praise God, I'm not the only one. <laughs> okay, parents do yell at their kids, and again, I'm not alone. Listen, kids are running around, they're making all kinds of racket. Dad's frustrated, trying to get some work done, trying to concentrate, and there is no, he can't even hear himself think. And so what does dad do? Hey, knock it off! Something to that effect. Maybe you're not that nice. But we, st- we yell at the kids. Just give me an opportunity to justify myself, will you? I want to tell you a story of why I yelled at my kids. This may incriminate me, but here we go. Several years ago, I was getting ready to take Maya and Caleb to the mailbox. Huge, adventurous mailbox. Okay, we have to walk to our mailbox, right? So we walk down to the mailbox. We're getting ready to go. Kids are getting their shoes on. They're excited. Why? Because they would often get things from their grandparents. They would often get things from their aunts and uncles. And getting something in the mail is a fun experience. So we grab the mailbox key. We begin to head out the door. And the kids, as always, they typically take off and they run, right? So they start running down the sidewalk, and I half-heartedly begin jogging behind them because I want to semi-keep up with them. Well, something that you need to understand is that kids are prone to do things that they want to do without thinking. So for whatever reason, they hit a driveway and they immediately turn right and start heading toward the road. Now, our mailbox is on the opposite side of the road that our house is on. So at some point, we have to cross the street. And another thing about our street is often cars will park on our side of the street, so all along the road, there's these cars parked, which makes it very difficult for any traffic to see anything that's coming off of the street, let alone little children. They begin heading right toward the end of the curb, and I, it's happening so fast. And I look up, and I see a car coming, and I immediately yell, stop! Praise the Lord, they stopped immediately. It's the first and only time they've ever obeyed me. They stop immediately and they're safe on the curb behind cars. And we've continued to proceed, and I gave them the lecture. Listen, you cannot run down into the street. You have to be careful. That car could have hit you. And I begin explaining to them why it was important that they pay attention to what they're doing. I yelled at my kids. Do you understand that? Now, how many of you think that's a justified reason to yell at your kids? Okay, good. We have some fairly normal people here. I told you the details of that story. It kind of justifies the circumstances to why I yelled at my kid. No, if somebody had not heard the circumstances, did not know the circumstances, but just heard me yelling at my kids, again, they might think that I was insensitive. They might think that I was cold. They might think, hey, what is that guy yelling at his kids for? This is horrible. I shouldn't be doing that. But here's the deal. I love my kids. I love them. I would do just about anything for them. I care about them, deeply. And to be honest with you, there was an extremely urgent need. Extremely. Can you imagine? (laughs) If I would have softly and gently said, would you please just wait for a moment? (laughs) I wouldn't have gotten please out of my mouth and I'd have heard thump, thump. There is an urgent need. I had to say it as soon as in loud and as quickly as I possibly could. I think we'd all do something similar in a similar situation. Why? Because we care for our families. We all want them to be safe. We all would be a little bit cold and insensitive if there was an urgent need. In fact, the urgent needs often determine our care. The urgent needs often determine our care. So let me ask you this question. Do I care about my child's feelings? Yeah, absolutely I do. When one of my girls is sad, my favorite thing to do is to give them a hug. When they run to me and say, Daddy, I'm sad or I'm crying, I love to be that comfort for them. Love it. I care about my kids' feelings. I try to help them work through feelings. I love that. But listen do I care about my kids' safety? Yes. So when their safety is in jeopardy, guess what? I no longer care about their feelings. I don't care if they're like, "Oh, daddy yelled at me. We can work through that. We cannot work through a car being run over them. We can't do that. So I don't care. So in fact, write, write this down if you're in the habit of writing things down. Urgency causes one need to take precedence over another need. Urgency causes one need to take precedence over another need. So let me ask you this morning. What would be most urgent in your life right now? What is the most urgent need in your life right now? What do you care the most about right now? You can almost guarantee everybody's got something. You've got a need that's right in your face. It's right up front. It's right where you can see it. It's there every day, all day. It concerns you. You care about it. You think you got to fix it. you got to do something about it. We all have this urgent need. For some, it might be a child. For some, it might be a grandchild. For others, it might be a car. For others, it might be your housing situation or your job Maybe for some of you, it's your finances. Maybe for some, it's a marriage difficulty. Maybe for some, it's a health. Maybe for some teenagers or maybe even some older adults, maybe it's your parents. For some, maybe it's school. For some, it's a huge, major life decision. The reality is we all have cares, we all have needs, we all have something urgent that's in front of us, and literally, that often takes precedence over all other cares. So the question is this, with all the cares that we have, which one should take precedence? We understand that urgency makes another need more precedent over another, but here we understand which one should be. Which care should be? And this is exactly where our story leads us in the passage today. Luke chapter 9, and verse 57. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. The Bible says this, And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, being Jesus, Lord, I will follow thee, whithersoever thou goest. He's super eager. Hey, I want to follow you wherever you go. I'm excited about this. I want to do this. And Jesus, look what Jesus said. Jesus said unto him, foxes have holes, and the birds of air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Jesus quickly says, listen, there is no comfort in this. Following me does not give you any comfort. Everybody has their place to lay their head at night. Jesus does not, and so you will not. There is no comfort in following him, verse 59. And he said unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. This story continues to intrigue me. Jesus is continuing to delve deeper down into our souls and beginning to look further down. And each of these instances are extremely important. Again, I imagine a crowd of people around Jesus and his disciples are all there. And somebody comes up behind him and says, hey, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. And super eager, super excited, Jesus begins to teach him a lesson on comfort. And while he's doing that, he looks to another that's there with him and says, follow me. Points to another man and calls him to follow. And this man immediately comes up with the excuse. Look at what the excuse is. Suffer me first to go and bury my father. Pretty good excuse if you're asking me. Jesus' answer seems cold and indifferent. Let the dead bury their dead. Let the dead bury their dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. This seems selfish. This seems careless of Jesus. This seems cold. This seems insensitive. It seems like Jesus doesn't even care about this man's duty, let alone his grief. There's much debate as to whether this man's father was dead, about to die, or was still living a healthy life and had quite a while before he passed. Here's the reality, it doesn't matter. The point of the story is not to understand whether he had died, not died, whatever. The point of the story is Jesus saying, let the dead bury their dead. In the context of this situation, it was an honorable thing for a Jewish man to bury his father and to give him a proper burial. It was an honorable thing. In fact, you look at our day and age today... It's pretty easy to understand, listen, we get time off when somebody dies. When a family member dies, we get time off for bereavement. We get to take that time, and listen, this is no different. In fact, some commentators even go as far as saying that the rabbis made it very clear that providing a decent burial for your parents took precedent over almost everything, including religious services and religious classes. We get the opportunity to take some time off. We get the opportunity to take some time off to get the funeral arranged. We take the opportunity to grieve. We have this opportunity where we get time off, and it seems cold. It seems insensitive. Even the world does this, gives us some time. Jesus doesn't. So let me ask you this morning, and feel free to answer, was there anything wrong with this man desiring to bury his father? Some of you think I'm setting you up for a trap here. (laughs) Listen, not inherently. There's no, this is not a bad thing. He desires to give his his father a respectful burial, a proper burial. I don't know when, it doesn't matter. He desired this, so is this inherently wrong? No. But listen to this. The commentator George Morrison said this. He was not torn between right and wrong. He was torn between right and right. He hesitated between two rival claims, both of them stamped with the seal of the divine. Both of these things were given to this man by God. It's a Jewish custom. It's Jewish tradition. God says, listen, you have to bury, unless you are a a Nazarite, the Nazarites were the only one who were free from touching a dead body. So God gave this man a command, you need to properly bury your parents. And now he's asking him to follow him. He's at a straight betwixt two. I don't know whether to turn to the left or turn to the right. I don't know which way to go. I know that this is something that I need to do. Be respectful of my father. This is something that I need to do. Follow Jesus. All right. So the best way to do it is just delay following Jesus so that I can go bury my father. These were both important things. So again, I ask you the question, why was Jesus so cold? He gives us a little clue as to why he was so cold and what he was calling this man to do. Look with me in verse 60 at the end of the verse. It says, let the dead bury the dead. Watch this. But go thou and preach the kingdom god so the why why was he so cold and insensitive here it is because he was to go and preach the kingdom of god let me put it to you this way jesus had a mission for this man to be a part of jesus had a mission for this man that was far greater than his family jesus had a mission for this man that was far more important than burying his father It was the mission of the kingdom of God. Now before you turn me off and say, well, what's the big deal? Hold on, don't turn me off yet. The mission was the kingdom of God. So again, why was Jesus so cold in his response? Well, number one, he realized the weight of the mission. He realized the weight of the mission. Very few people understand the weight of the mission. The importance, the heaviness, the bearing of this weight. This is a world-changing importance. This weight is so heavy. This weight is so heavy that when faced with it, Jesus Christ sweat great drops of blood. The weight was so heavy that God Almighty in human form, Jesus Christ sweat great drops of blood. Now, I have a lot of cares in my life, but guess what I've never done? I've never cared so deeply that I sweat great drops of blood. I've never sweat blood, not even a little bit. Listen, I have never, ever had something so burdensome, so caring, so terrible that I could not bear it, that I could... All I could think about, the anxiety, the the eagerness of going through this, I would sweat great drops of blood. Never. Here, Jesus, God of the universe, sweating great drops of blood. Why was it so heavy? The weight of the mission lies in the vast need. The weight lies in the vast need. I don't care where you go. I don't care who you meet. Everyone has this need, the need of a Savior. They have sin, and sin causes the need of a Savior. You can come to my house, you can go to Nepal, you can go to the Philippines, you can go to Africa. You can step into your neighbor's front driveway. You can go anywhere you want. You can go to the grocery store. You can go to your family's house. You can go anywhere you want. No matter where you go, you will see the weight of the entire world. Sin. The need of the entire world is sin. Sinful people in need of a Savior. Sinful people in need of being reconciled to God. Please don't miss this. Your neighbor needs Jesus. Your neighbor needs Jesus. Your coworker needs to know that there's hope. Your family member needs to know what Jesus did for them on the cross. They need to know there's a weight of the mission. The weight was so heavy that there was no one else who could carry it. It was only God's son, his only begotten son, Jesus. The weight of the mission, I have no doubt in my mind, was forefront in Jesus' mind. It was forefront. It was was so close. He could see it. He could see what he was going to do. And the implications of the weights are too dire to dismiss away. My children in my story were literally faced with a life and death situation. That's weighty. If there was no car, do you think I would have yelled at them? Probably not. But because of the weight of the situation. Jesus was cold in his response because he knew the weight of the mission. Number two, he realized the urgency of the mission. He realized the urgency of the mission. Every year, 56 million people die. Every year. That's 4.6 million people per month. That's 153,000 people per day. That's 6.3 thousand people per hour. That's 106 people per minute. That's 1.8 people per second. Listen, I don't just throw these statistics out just to say, hey, this is a fun statistic. Listen, 1.8 people die every second. There is an urgency. Listen, most of us think, well, Jesus is coming back, right? And we think that's the urgency. Listen, that's something we get to watch for, but far more urgent than Jesus coming back and us being taken away is, listen, 1.8 people die every second, They end up in eternity every second. Since the time I started this message, over 3,000 people have passed into eternity. There is an urgency. There's an urgency. So why would Jesus be cold and insensitive? Because there's an urgency. Listen, it could be your neighbor. It could be your family member. It could be your buddy that you go for coffee with. It could be your coworker, It could be that person. Listen, I don't know who it is, but it could be somebody that's close to us. There is not one of us who knows what today holds for us, let alone what it holds for our neighbors, our family, our friends. Every single day, if I'm being honest, I care more about the things on this earth than I do about where my family or my friends spend eternity. I care more about hunting and fishing and trunk or treat. And I could say I could spend a lot of time. I, I care more about writing a message for today. I care about, more about raising my kids. I care more about paying my mortgage. I care more about all of these things than I do figuring out whether my family or friends are going to spend eternity in heaven or in hell. The reality is, we get busy in our daily routine and we just forget about the mission. David Platt, an author and pastor, phrased it this way Are we going to settle for maintenance? Or are we going to sacrifice for mission? Are we going to settle for maintenance, just taking care of the daily needs, just getting done what we need to get done today, or are we going to sacrifice for mission? We get busy raising our kids, paying for our mortgage, finding a new car, typing out sermons, partying, living life, enjoying our salvation in Christ, and there are people dying and going to hell every second. So most of you are probably thinking, all right, well, I have to get rid of my kids. I have to get rid of my spouse. I have to sell my houses. I have to sell my lands. I have to get rid of everything, and I just have to preach the kingdom of God. I can't even think about my family anymore. I don't want to bury my father. I'm, not, I'm just going to follow Jesus. That may be what God calls you to do, but for most of us, that's not the reality. So Pastor Yeomans, how in the world do I raise my kids? How in the world do I work a job? How in the world do I pay for my mortgage? How do I find a new car? How do I type out sermons? How do I preach sermons and still preach the kingdom of God? Well, how do I follow Jesus in all of this? Acts chapter 5 and verse 42 gives us a real life example. Acts chapter 5 and verse 42. There is a group of people called the disciples. They're just like you and I. Normal people. They had wives. We know that. No doubt they had children. But I want you to see what Acts chapter 5 and verse 42 says. Watch this. And daily in the temple and in every house, watch, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. How did they do it? How did did they do this? They ceased not. So every day, all day, 24 hours a day, they got into a pulpit and started saying, thus saith the Lord, Jesus Christ is King, Jesus Christ died for your sins, Jesus Christ is your Savior. That's what they did? Not at all. See, we have this misconception that all I have to do all day long is stand on a street corner and proclaim Jesus Christ. That's not it at all. Notice that verse again with me, daily in the temple, so yeah, they were here, and in every house, everywhere. Let's put it this way, everywhere they went, everything they did, they proclaimed Jesus in raising their children. They taught their children about Jesus Christ. They proclaimed Jesus to their children. They taught their children the weight and the urgency of the mission. Hey, you have friends at school that need Jesus. Hey, you know how Jesus has helped you? We have the same opportunity to help other people and show them Jesus Christ. They raised their children in that way when they went to the bank to pay for their mortgage, if that was even a thing. They told of how great Jesus Christ was. When they buried their parents, they told of the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. My favorite thing to do at a funeral is to preach Jesus Christ, especially when it's a believer. What an opportunity. Listen, so the act of burying your father is not wrong. The problem is we get so careful about doing the maintenance of the day We care about getting our things done that we forget about the mission. We forget about what's most important. We forget about the weight and the urgency of what's going on. When they bought a new car, they told the salesman about Jesus Christ. Everywhere and to everyone. Why? Because they realized the weight and the urgency. Their singular focus was declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ listen that takes all kinds of different forms But let me ask you what has the greatest urgency to you right now right now whatever the greatest urgency is what will take precedent there is no greater urgency I believe this there's no greater urgency Than telling the people that you know, the people that you come into contact with, about Jesus Christ. There's no greater urgency. So listen, I don't know that Jesus ever yelled. (laughs) But if there ever was a time, I would think it was here. Let the dead bury their dead. Listen, that, that is not an eternal thing. And go do something for eternity. I I have no idea. I want to know. Did did these people actually follow Jesus Christ? The Bible doesn't tell us. Again, it doesn't matter. The challenge to us here is simple. Can you see the urgency of the mission of following Jesus? Can I challenge you this morning to sacrifice for the sake of of mission. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for all you do for us. Father, I pray that you would impress upon us not through my words, but through your word, the urgency and the weight of that which you've called us to. Help us to overcome cares of this life. Help us have victory over them. Help them not to weigh us down. Help us to set aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us that we can run our way, race with patience. Looking unto Jesus. Father, I pray that you would help us see you. View people as you view them, giving their life giving our life for them. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Father, if there's one here today that does not know you as personal Savior, they've never accepted you, then Father, I pray that today would be the day that they realize the weight of their sin and that Jesus bore that weight for them. Father, we ask all these things in your name.